Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been putting together where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts, some of my takes, and other people's thoughts and takes and perspectives about what's going on in the market. The goal, hopefully, is for you to take some nuggets of information and bring them back to your own personal investing domain and hopefully it will help you make more informed and ultimately more successful investment decisions. My name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors and as an investment coach I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. Problem is, uh, especially when people start getting into investing, is they often feel very intimidated, frustrated, um, confused by the whole process. They either don't know where to start if they're new to investing or I've worked with people who have been investing for a long time but just aren't making any traction with their portfolios. So what I do ultimately as an investment coach is I teach people, I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and, and achieve it with confidence. So today is the my year in review episode, and for those of you who have been frequent or infrequent uh, listeners of my podcast or follow my blog on my website, sageinvestors.ca, um, you'll know that periodically I like to jump on here or jump on my computer and share with you uh, my most recent uh, investment decisions, and more specifically, the thought processes that 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 have gone into the decisions that I make. Um, I like to do that, I've done that periodically throughout the year. And the reason why I do it is, is essentially one of the values that I really strongly, I really feel strongly about with what I do as an investment coach and, and, and really how I run my practice is, is to essentially practice what I teach um, and be really transparent about it, um, about the good things that I've done and the bad things that I've done. Um, I really feel strongly that I got to be upfront with people, um, you know, especially, you know, for me, it's, it's one thing for me to coach people and teach people how to make decisions, how to make better investment decisions. Um, and, you know, I can develop all these courses that I teach on how to buy and sell stocks and ETFs. It's one thing to, you know, teach this stuff. It's another thing to model the behavior. And uh, I really feel it's important for me to be be straight up with people and be upfront so they can see like you know I'm actually practicing what I'm talking about. Um, so today is sort of uh, as I said as a year in review we've just finished 2018 we're rolling into 2019 I thought it's important to take a step back and look at how things have gone uh, in my uh, personal situation in terms of how I've made decisions over the course of the year and see ultimately, uh, you know, have I learned anything from it? Is there anything I can gain from it that's going to maybe help me down the road in terms of making better investment decisions? So um, definitely 2018 compared to 2017 was a heck of a lot more of a bumpy ride. Um, 2017 was was one of the rare years where there was actually, if you look at the performance of the markets, there wasn't actually a single day in 2017 where the markets moved up or down more than 1%. But in 2018, it was complete opposite. We had days where the where the Dow Jones was dropping like 10,000, you know, 1,200 points uh, in a single day. Um, Especially like if you look at early February two thousand eighteen, there were just some crazy days there where the market, where the where the stock prices were just falling off a cliff. Um, but then later on toward the year, it seemed to recover from it, and then we had situations where 
Um, companies like Apple and Amazon became became trillion dollar companies. Um, and then, you know, then we got toward the end of the year and then we all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it returned again. All the, the crazy volatility prices just started crapping out a bit more, uh, especially in November and December. And usually people talk about Santa Claus rallies. Um, people were talking more about a, a Black Friday sales and uh, Santa Claus uh, Christmas Eve massacre where the, where the markets just literally crapped out on, on the day before Christmas. Um, you know, we had an environment then where interest rates were rising and maybe it was kind of a point I talked, I've talked a lot about it in the past where, you know, it just, you know, interest rates were going up, but the markets just didn't seem to really care about it. Um, it seemed like the markets almost had this aha moment where they just realized, you know what, I can earn more return holding a lower risk bond than I could, you know, holding a higher risk stock. Um, maybe there was an aha moment in terms of people realizing that a lot of the governance that's been going on, you know, especially in the United States, is really bad and people are just getting really nervous. Um, so that was the kind of dynamic that was going on throughout the year. Um, you know, bringing this back um, to my personal situation, for, again, for people who have been following, you know, my, my decisions, um, you'll know that I've been pretty consistently negative about stock prices uh, over the last several years, and you'll know that I've I've had a bit of a, a pretty major short position on the S and P five hundred for several years, and it's been a bad investment decision, obviously. But some stock prices have been just going up, and we've just been in an epic epic bull market. So my portfolio performance in the last few years has not been that great because of my short position. But and there have been times where I've thought, you know what, maybe I should just get rid of it and just cut my losses, and uh, and just move on. But I've just I just have continuously remained really, you know, strong to my position that stock that this this market just it's just not sustainable to just keep going up and up and up. So 2018 was a bit of a redemption in, in that sense because uh, my short position finally you know got some value out of it and I got some benefits and I got some return out of it. And I'm still uh, in my short position. I haven't reduced it. Um, so I've been overall negative about stock prices and asset prices as a whole, but you know at the same time I've also tried to mean, be true to my investing ideology, which is still to look for opportunities to buy individual stocks or, or buy sectors through ETFs that are, I thought were trading at a discount that were undervalued, and uh, and so you know despite everything that's gone on, I think I've been trying to still maintain uh, really true. And consistent with my with my play, my personal investing playbook, and make my decisions accordingly. And I think when I look back on how things went over the year, uh, I made a fair amount of really good decisions, uh, and I made some bad ones. And uh, but I think what was cool about those bad decisions was, uh, if I didn't have my investing playbook, if I didn't have mechanisms to my exit strategies that I have documented in my playbook, I probably would still hold those stocks and I'd probably be losing a lot more money than if I had just cut out and followed my playbook. So um, so that's kind of how things went. So if you want to look at the numbers, now as I said, I, I have all this stuff on my website, on my uh, blog. I've blogged, I've put together a blog on this one. Uh, so you can check it out on sageinvestors.ca. So today I just really want to kind of, on the podcast, we're just kind of run through some of the quick um, highlights of, of my performance and also talk about so many uh, learning uh, points that I got out of it. So uh, 
when I looked at my portfolio, uh, my portfolios, there's about five portfolios that I manage personally. Um, I have three portfolios that are um, separate, and then I have two portfolios for my kids, for their RESP portfolios for their, for their university college um, uh, savings accounts, and I invest through that for, the, for my kids. Um, so if you look at the returns this year compared to last year, um, if you just look at it in isolation, they probably actually look pretty good compared to how the market was doing. But if you look at it in relation to how they did the previous year, they probably weren't looking as good. So like my first portfolio uh, generated, I was down 0.74%. And that was compared to the previous year, which I was down 12%. So I obviously had a better year and I basically kept, you know, I didn't lose a lot of money. And compared to the previous year, um, I held on to a lot of my you know, I mean, managed to preserve my capital, which again, looking at the context of how the markets were performing in 2018, you know, you'll take that. Uh, portfolio two, I was up 2.2% compared to 1.5% the previous year. And portfolio three, I was up 2.2% again compared to 7.3% uh, the previous year. So, you know, a couple percent returns. Um, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, um, they were better than what the market was doing. Um, but when I look at, for me, you know, I'm not about beating the market because I think it's impossible to do. The best thing you can do is if you're earning at or higher the rate of inflation, then you are preserving, you're enhancing or maintaining your purchasing power. So for the fact of the matter is the markets weren't that great last year, but I was able to crank out a couple of, you know, 2% return, which is almost in line with what inflation is. So in a way, I, I look at my portfolios, these three portfolios, and it looks like I was basically preserving my purchasing power, preserving my capital, which is ultimately what you want to do in, in a bad market. You want to keep, you don't want to lose as much money. You want to keep as much money in your pocket. Um, if you look at my RESP portfolios for my kids, I was up in one of them, I was up 4.4%. Uh, and the other one I was down 2.1%, but which was actually much better because the previous year I was down 13%. Um, so the, you know, it's okay, um, and that I don't factor in the the grant that the government gives you, in that sense. So this is just pure return on 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 that. Um, so you know, you look at the way the markets were. The S and P was down six point three percent. The T S X composite was down over eleven percent. So if I'm getting two percent returns, four percent returns, um, you know, just break even, then I'm you know I think I've done. It was a pretty decent year from that perspective. Um, it was kind of meh <laughs> in that side of it. Um, so what did I learn from this? So what are the takeaways that you can get that I got from what I did last year? Well, the first takeaway that I got was I don't think I would have generated these returns. I think that my, my returns would have been worse if I didn't have a playbook. And uh, the, one of the core components of having an investing playbook is having an exit strategy, setting uh, a, a cutoff point or a threshold that if you're losing X amount of dollars or down X percent, you get out, no questions asked. Because, and the beauty of that is it forces you to take the emotion out of the decision and you're just making a decision based on numbers. And ultimately, math becomes important, especially when you're losing money, because if you keep your losses festering and growing, it makes it even harder for you to break even. And so for me, my cutoff point is 20%. So if I'm down over 20% on a stock or at 20% or more, I sell. I don't even think about it, even if I love the company. And throughout the year, there were a couple of situations where I had to do that. Um, companies like JD.com, Activision, uh, MGM, 
these are stock companies. I like their business models. I like what they're doing. I, th- I like what their potential could be in the future. But the reality is I was down over 20% on that, which means I would have needed to generate a 25% return just to break even, just to break even. So forget about making money. This is about just getting back to zero. And um, again, having that investing playbook and having that, that exit strategy forces me to cap that loss. And it's interesting because if you look at those stocks now, Activision, JD.com, and MGM, they actually went down even further after I sold them. So if I held those stocks, I probably would have lost more money and it would have been harder for me to get even back to even. Um, that's, the cu- that's the cool thing, especially in weak markets, just having a playbook, a cheat sheet for how you're going to make decisions it's it's completely invaluable and especially during times when the market is doing really crazy things. Um, so that's one definite takeaway. So if you haven't developed an investing playbook, if you're not using one, you gotta get one. Talk to a financial planner or an advisor or talk to an investment coach like me. I, I work with people to develop in co- uh, playbooks, investing playbooks. It's just a thing you really need to have. Um, as you go down your investing journey. Um, the other thing I had is, uh, takeaway is uh, from my portfolio, is, is I continue to have a really high cash position. Um, like last year, I was like two-thirds in cash. Even though I lost money, but I was two-thirds in cash, and I, that probably dented it. Um, and this year, I was about 63% cash when I finished the year. So in a way, a lot of a reason why my returns were actually halfway decent was I was actually in a pretty high cash position. So I, I, de- I definitely preserved a lot of capital. Um, and it's been a challenge with, for me for the last four or five years because I've just, as I said, my, my bias is really I think stock prices are overpriced. And so I've just been more hesitant to, to put money to work. Uh, in the market, and you know, I've just been kind of like you know, little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit getting into it. Um, but uh, it's tough, and it was tough. But uh, you know, again, it's one of my sort of resolutions is is uh, is just putting more money to work. Especially you know, my time horizons are getting shorter and shorter. You just kind of want to max out those things. But it's hard to put the money to work when you're looking at the markets. The valuations out there it's just really hard and you know this year was kind of like a crystallization of all that um what else did i learn the other thing i also focus on is we also f- is i tend to put more emphasis on the decisions that i make how did the decisions to buy this stock or this stock end up because that to me tells me more effectively how well i'm making decisions and so even though I'm talking about you know year-end returns and things like that, um, to me the more effective metric to 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 analyze or evaluate how I've been making decisions is realized returns. The real iteration of when I buy a stock and then sell it, what is the actual realized return that I've pocketed? Did I actually tangibly make money, or did I tangibly lose money? And so when I look at when I look at from that perspective, I get pretty happy because. And when I look at the year past, I made 21 decisions, 21 investment decisions where I bought something and I sold something. And out of those 21 decisions, I sold 15 out of those 21 decisions were profitable in which I actually made money. And if you even drill it down, 13 out of those 15 decisions were I made at least a double digit return, at least 10% return. And 
if you looked at those 10 out of those 13 decisions, 10 of those decisions that I made actually made over 20% return. So that's really positive. Um, that gives me confidence that I'm, I'm moving forward. Um, and I said, you can go to my website, uh, you know, there's a listing of all the different stocks that I, uh, that I generated returns on, or generated a realized return on it. Um, you know, that being said, I did make some bad decisions and I did sell some stocks for a loss um, and that, you know, did bring down my overall realized return. But the cool thing I think that I take comfort in, as I said earlier, is that I capped those losses. I didn't just let them grow and grow and just kind of emotionally try to will it back. I, I, I crossed the threshold and I sold it. And I think um, just having that discipline and having that kind of written out in my playbook, again, I'm just coming back to my playbook, um, it really helped me kind of preserve my losses and preserve my capital. Um, so if I actually look at my overall realized return for 2018, it was 1.5%. Uh, in 2017, it was 9.4%. In 2016, it was 19%. Um, so my realized return, not that great, but again, looking at the overall markets, the way the markets were performing, um, it's, it was, it was a better, it was a better outcome. Um, bottom line is if I'm making more positive investment decisions than negative investment decisions, I should be growing my portfolios. I should be growing, going in the right direction. So, um, that's my emphasis. And I think that's my, uh, my takeaway. Um, the other takeaway is just exploiting market psychology. Um, as I said, the market sentiment throughout the year, especially during certain parts of the year in February and late November, December, were downright negative. And if you look at a lot of the decisions that I made over the, when I look at a lot of the stocks that I bought and sold over the year, um, a lot of times, I think most of the stocks when I bought them, they were, I bought them when the psychology of the market and the psychology investors had, sentiment had towards these stocks and ETFs were pretty negative. And it's no coincidence that I bought these companies low, ultimately when the psychology was negative, and I sold them when the sentiment switched. And, uh, and that, it, it feeds into one of the core tenets of investing, which is buy low and sell high. And oftentimes, the times we want to buy low, we tend to buy them when the market's going up and up and up, when in fact, the times we want to buy stocks low and when stock prices are low are when the markets are down. But Again, psychology kind of screws with our decision making, and often we're just not we're just not wired um, to think that way. And it's a kind of thing you kind of have to rewire your thinking. And that's part of the things what I do as an investment coach is kind of rewire people's thinking to understand the psychology and the behavior side of how we make decisions, and then use it, feed it in to uh, to making decisions. So market psychology definitely has a factor and it needs to be a component of how you frame decisions. Um, so that's another element. Um, other element also we want to look at is costs. Obviously cost is an important, important factor for us as investors in that we want to we want to preserve our money. We want to keep more money in our pocket and less money in somebody else's pocket. So um, having keeping our costs as reasonably low as possible is always something we need to be upfront for. So when I looked at my five portfolios, um, when I look, when if I took the average of all my portfolios, my total costs for the year were 0.494%, 0 
and that's compared to 0.368% in 2017. And if you break it down, um, my, porf my portfolio one was uh, 0.727 versus 0.609. And the big reason for that is that's the portfolio that has my short position, which carries the highest cost uh, for me in my portfolio. So it's kind of to be expected. But the fact that it's below 1% is actually not bad. I like that too. The other portfolios are much, much lower. Portfolio two costs were 0.43%. Uh, portfolio 3, 0.30, My RSP portfolios were 0.55 and 0.35%. So those are pretty, pretty decent. Like if, if your costs are coming in under half a percent, um, that's pretty decent. Um, you know, obviously you love to, you know, have no costs, but uh, um, half a percent is pretty reasonable, especially if you're generating, you know, two, three, four percent return at a minimum. Um, that's a pretty reasonable price. And again, the t there's a lot of tech, um, products out there that can get you that good broad-based passive kind of exposure to the market at a lower price. Um, my costs were definitely higher this year than they were in the previous year. And I think a big reason why it was I just made more decisions. I made more transactions. Um, like this past year, I made 104 um, tra trades. I did 104 transactions. In 2017, I only did 58. And I think the reason why I did a lot of trades this year, again, because the stock markets were just down, um, I was just buying. I was just opening more positions. And for the for many years now, I've had a hard time, you know, making decisions, taking action because I just haven't found um, really worthy a lot of you know critical mass of worthy investments. But this year, there were a lot of stocks that I had on my watch list that uh, that I thought were cheap. And I thought were worth getting into, and so I made. I was slowly building positions over the course of the year. Um, my uh, my trading costs were higher, basically, because I was just buying more stocks, and they were, uh, the rate I was buying more stocks was much higher than in previous previous years. So, um, so yeah, so the, so that's kind of like my, you know, just kind of gave a synopsis of how things are went. I didn't generate great returns, but compared to the way the markets were going, they were pretty good. Um, and I was at least protecting my purchasing power. And ultimately, at the bare bones as investors, we want to protect our purchasing power over time because of inflation. It's very easy to eat away into our returns. And so in terms of what I'm looking for in 2019, like I'm not going to go here and project what my returns are going to be because that's just impossible. Um, the what the key thing that I'm looking forward to do to 2019 is pretty much the same thing I've been doing every year that I've been an investor, and that's staying true to my strategy, staying true to my uh, executing my strategy, staying um, uh, consistent with it, try not trying not to deviate with it, try not to let emotions get into way of my making my decision. It's just basically executing my playbook, um, and staying true to my investment ideology. You know, buying high quality businesses. Uh, underappreciated sectors, buy them at cheap prices, and hold them until I generate a reasonable return out of them. And as you know, so far when I look at my performance um, and the types of decisions that I've been making, and the, you know, the level and consistency that I've been making decisions, I think I'm on the right track. And I think it speaks in a testament to um, the stuff that I do as an investment coach. And, and ultimately, you know, I, I help people make better decisions, and I. I try to show I'm trying to show you here that 
the stuff that I teach, and this is the stuff that I do that I'm applying here, is the stuff that I teach in my courses and the stuff that I work with people to help develop their competencies with. So um, goals for the forward coming year is to stay consistent. That's the best thing you can do as an investor is stay whatever plan you have and strategy you have that you stay consistent with it. Doesn't matter, you know, if things are going crazy in the markets, over the long term, if you're consistent with your strategy, you should do well. So that's all I got for you. If you got any questions or insights, inputs or whatever about my about this episode or anything else, you can drop me a line through my website, sageinvestors.ca. You can find me through uh, Twitter. I'm on there all the time talking about all things investing, sharing all kinds of wicked content um, from myself and also from a lot of other people who probably know a lot more about investing than I do. My handle is at Sage Investors. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is uh, Sage Investors Nation. And you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Uh, just do a search on Sage Investors. If you are interested, I also do a weekly email call in the loop where I share with you any new blog posts, videos that I do as well. So you can stay in the loop with what I'm kind of talking about or as well as I also share some content that I am personally reading from other people who I think really know their investing stuff and uh, stuff that I use personally to help me frame my investment decisions. So if I see an article that I really like and it's really something that's got me thinking about my personal decisions, uh, I usually share it with you through that email. I send this email out every Wednesday morning, so if you're interested in jumping on the list, you can just sign up, uh, just go to the website, sageinvestors.ca, and drop your email, and boom, you'll be on my list every Wednesday morning and every Wednesday afternoon. I send a repeat uh, out there. So that's all I got for you this week. Happy New Year. Um, all the best for 2019. I hope you kick some real ass out there and make some great investment decisions. My name is Amon Reina uh, from Sage Investors, and thanks again for listening in. I'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye.